you've probably been around long enough to know that most everyone has an end game in mind. In fact, you'll often hear someone say, I wonder what their end game is. Meaning, what are they really after? What are they really going after? When I was in middle school, my sister had a bunch of her friends over and they all had boyfriends and everything and and everyone was going to go skiing and all the guys wanted to go skiing, you know, right away and there were three boats and so my end game was let all the guys go skiing first because I knew in about five minutes all the other girls were going to want to go skiing and they would be in the other boat and there I was, just me and seven other girls and that was my end game. I played it well, but today... What's your end game? In fact, what is the Bible's end game? That's where we're going today. Wake the faith up, Slayer. Hey, hope you're having a great week so far. Been a crazy week. Not just the weather here in Minnesota. It's cold, it's snow, it's warm, it's snow. Welcome to uh, Christmas, uh, to winter, I guess. I wasn't ready for it, but here we go. So, uh, a couple of you have been bothering me uh, since I brought up the idea of another David Alliance conference. If we did do it, it would be in the late spring. Have no plans, nothing concrete whatsoever, nothing planned whatsoever, just looking for ideas. So, if you've got some ideas as far as what you'd like to see in the next men's conference, let me know. Some people have, uh, they've said maybe portions of it on the end times. Could be. Some have talked about Maybe portions of it on how to protect your family in a crazy world. It might be all good ideas. If you've got good ideas or any ideas or maybe dumb ideas, shoot them to me. The David Lyons, TDA, GiantSlayer at gmail.com. So let's jump into this. I'm going somewhere, but listen to this verse first, and then I'm going to flip script at the end. So hang in there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 15, 16, Paul says, Who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets? and have persecuted us, and they do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Kind of an odd verse to just grab out of the Bible. But what are we talking about, Garth? Where are you going with this? Well, it says, this is Paul talking about how When anyone tries to stop you from sharing the gospel, that you are storing up wrath. It says wrath has come upon us. Some people think this is just about the future and the end times, but interestingly enough, this is spoken in present tense and in the aorist tense. Now you may go, what does that mean? What what does this say to me today, Garth? It means if you are trying to keep the gospel from being spread, being shared, being preached, you will have the wrath of God come against you till its fullest extent. And by the way, the word there, gospel, doesn't just mean the good news. Jesus Christ died on a cross, forgives us of our sins if we accept him as our Lord and Savior, and we go to heaven. It means the full context of the Christian message. We can see this in a personal matter and in really global variations where when the gospel is trying to be stopped, God's wrath comes upon that person or that country. So do not try to stop the gospel. And in fact, where we're going today, in fact, be on the offensive and spread the gospel. Look, I am guilty of giving lots of ideas of how to succeed in life, how to be successful, how to win, how to be spiritually blessed, how to see principles in Scripture to, uh, you know, 
make you uh, head and tails above the, those that are coming against you. It's all good. But here is lesson number one in being blessed. Pray for Israel and bless them. You rather, That's not where I thought you were going. Well, in, in light of today with the war in Israel, pray for Israel. It says uh, those who bless Israel and pray for them will be blessed. But that's not exactly everywhere I'm going. I want to throw that in there. But the close number two is this. Again, the best way to be spiritually blessed, spread the gospel. Here's a quick lesson from a friend of mine. I won't say his name because I didn't ask permission to talk about him, but he shared how he felt like his business, his marriage, his relationships with his kids, that they were all just, as he was said, and it's so funny, I remember he said, they're almost there. You know what do you mean? They're almost there. It's as if he would say, they all are just about complete, but there's just something missing. Not sure what it is. Something's just missing. It's it's almost there. Now, look, my bro loves God, serves God, tithes, almost never misses church, reads his Bible. It's all good. But he still felt like he was just missing something. And then he read a verse in Romans 10, 15 and started to unpack it. And that verse is this. Hold on. And how can anyone preach unless they aren't sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, contrast that with the first verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19, or, uh, 16, that if you try to stop the gospel, that the wrath of God is stored up to come against you. It's like the hammer gets heavier and heavier as it's swinging through the air on your head, right? And this says just the opposite. It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Look, if you saw my toenails, you would not think, oh, those are beautiful, Garth. Your toes look beautiful. They look literally like old dog bones that have been chewed up, dried, and then colored with like, I don't know, yellow. Beautiful picture. The word there, beautiful feet, it means you bring in a fruitful, a blooming, a flourishing um, essence with it. it it's, your, it's who you are. When I bring the good news, I'm ushering into my own life a fruitful, flourishing spirit alongside me. I'm invoking the power of God to speak in me, through me, and in spite of me to share his heart with the non-believer. In doing so, I'm pleasing God. See, I'm aligning my heart, my mission, my action with God's. Do you not understand how that is inviting to God in every area of your life? I mean, God just, he wants to be with you. He can't wait to be with you. He can't be a wait around you as you are aligned yourself with his mission. The last thing he said was go into all the world and preach the gospel. Do you want to be fruitful in your whole life? Start planting spiritual seeds and sharing the gospel. So my friend starts just going out and sharing the gospel whenever he can, and he immediately starts to see some bonus fruit in his life in small ways. And then in a few months, it really started to show, and in a few years, he's beyond where he thought he would ever be in business, marriage, ministry, health, family. Look, the gospel is a magic ingredient. Sow it, and we reap it, or we bag it, and we become spiritually constipated. What's the end game? What's my real motive? What am I really working towards? The gospel, and it pays. Garth Heckman, David Lyons, keep slaying giants.